Welcome to Leaders and Legends of Online Learning, a podcast dedicated to the experts. Thank you for listening. Each episode, we'll be learning from the world's leading thinkers and practitioners in online learning and linking to ideas relevant to online teaching, working with online learners, and digital education. You can listen to the experts and check their profiles and link to some of their work on our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com. I'm Mark Nichols, the interviewer in this episode. You'll meet Dr. Christian Starker in this episode. Christian is a well-known international researcher, responsible for multiple international collaborative outputs. He founded and established ICOR, the International Community for Open Education and Research, and his current research focus is artificial intelligence and open education. It's my privilege to be talking with Dr. Christian Starker, Coordinator for Virtual Collaboration and Cloud Strategy at the University of Bonn in Germany, where he is also establishing a research lab in open education and artificial intelligence. Christian is an internationally recognized expert in open education, innovation, and technology-enhanced learning, and he's authored and edited multiple books and articles, including quality standards. He's been involved with so much more, as I'm certain we'll soon learn more about as we go. Christian, it's great to be talking with you. Thank you so much, Mark, for your kind invitation. Christian, can we start with a brief overview of your career and publications? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, I'm happy also to share a little bit of the way that I was following. Actually, it was not a direct pathway, but I have already started in school education when I had the privilege to be at the very first school across Germany that introduced informatics in uh, normal, uh, formal school education. Mm. And I could already uh, learn how to use computers and to even uh, program codes and so on. That's why it was clear for me uh, that uh, I'd like to continue with that in the future. Mm. And I have already um, focused my study of educational science in um, the 90s, last century, with a clear objective to support and improve the usage and implementation of computers within um, formal and informal education. Mm. That's why I wrote my magister thesis already on learning software for introducing mathematics in the age of kindergarten children. And maybe that was a little bit too early because um, at that time, uh, many people were still... um, frightened against using computers in education. Mm, Afterwards, I started in business in uh, professional e-learning providers. I was designing and implementing e-learning in many different um, companies as well as public organizations. And uh, I was also setting up uh, e-learning departments in bigger uh, enterprises as I was moving to HR consultancies. Mm -hmm. And in the year 2004, I was setting up the first German e-learning association of professional vendors and still the only one in Germany. Mm-hmm. And that was causing not only a lot of interest and public recognition, but also leading to the request by the University of Duisburg-Essen, who invited me uh, to join them and to become responsible for all international research projects in the fields of e-learning. I took that uh, opportunity and um, also took the challenge 
to focus international collaboration in e-learning. And I could grow up my research institute from zero up to 11 researchers. And I was also finishing my uh, PhD in informatics and economics at that time. After that, I was uh, selected and then appointed as associate professor at the Open University of uh, the Netherlands. And um, I was working there uh, for more than uh, six years, leading the research group for open education. And in addition, I was also appointed as ICD chair in open educational resources. Mm -hmm. And I was also happy to introduce this, let's say, um, important, not new, but very important uh, movement also here in Europe. Um, we had the opportunity uh, to contribute to the Second World OER Congress by UNESCO, yeah. which led to the most important action items from the Ljubljana Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, we could also... Um, push UNESCO as well as the member states of UNESCO towards the development of the OER recommendation that in the end was approved by all 194 member states of UNESCO, leading to a unique document because it is not only a recommendation, but also an obligation for all member states to report on an annual basis about the progress related open education resources in each country. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19 pandemic, the first report and monitor um, worldwide was postponed, but it will be published in this year, 2023. Mm -hmm. While the Open University of Netherlands was changing uh, its business model, closing down the research institute and infrastructure and becoming a national Dutch university, only focusing on um, Dutch uh, study programs and courses, I decided to take another experience and uh, challenge. And I was uh, really happy uh, to be able to join the University of Bonn as the coordinator of digital teaching and learning services, in particular um, virtual collaboration first, and now also being responsible for the campus-wide uh, cloud strategy, including also all cloud-based services and artificial intelligence services. And uh, for me, this is a most uh, promising, but also most important to make such practical steps towards improvement of digital education in general. I'm not saying that uh, the study programs in presence should be replaced, but they can be enriched through digital education and services. Mm. And related to publications, I'm very happy to see throughout my business and research life now that I could complete more than 200 publications and editing many books, mm. chapters, as well as learning standards with a clear focus, of course, on more than 90 scientific and peer-reviewed uh, publications in uh, indexed journals. Mm. And during the last years, I was moving from my general focus on the quality of education and in particular on the quality of introducing open education resources and related learning designs 
towards the challenges that artificial intelligence is offering. Mm. We have set up a global team of researchers and we could already um, do first studies how open education was serving and supporting remote education during the COVID-19 lockdowns. And that was already published in two um, scientific articles. Mm. And now we have also first studies how generative artificial intelligence can provide future prospectives and future learning scenarios. And we did it in a way that was quite unique also um, in our times. We developed uh, in parallel more than 30 positive as well as more than 30 negative scenarios for the use of generative artificial intelligence. And And afterwards, we compared them and analyzed them, and we found out that uh, the difference was not that big, uh, given the huge distinctions in cultural as well as education backgrounds and regional settings. That's why I believe it is most important that we have a clear focus on the benefits, but we should also have a clear focus on how we can regulate um, artificial intelligence because there is a huge need that artificial intelligence will be used and implemented in a way that it is supportive for our societies, for human rights, for democracy and for rules of law and supporting also um, our ways to opening up education and uh, to facilitate uh, learning innovations. So, Christian, there's a great deal of depth there. Uh, your history, of course, spans open education. Also, of course, you've followed innovation and technological advancements as they've gone through, also with a very strong quality focus. So drawing on all of those publications, all of that research you've done, what are the key ideas and themes your work has provided, particularly those that you think are pertinent today? I believe it is most important always to reflect and um, carefully think about changes in the situations as well as in the societies, mm. that we do not um, just fulfill one pathway that we have defined in the past, but um, that we always opening up our minds and reflect what is the best now in our situation. Yeah. And that was also my key driver why I selected quality in education first, because There is no one specific definition for quality in education, and that is valid for any type of education. Quality of education always means that you have to define the high quality that you'd like to achieve by yourself related the given situation and your own objectives. This is most important that you don't take a quality definition, but you have always to adapt it to your specific situation. There's no definition of high quality in education that fits for all, mm. but it is always to be reflected and adapted by yourself. Mm. Having said that, we could um, develop the very first quality standard at the international level in ISO, the international uh, standardization organizations, yeah. in consensus 
with all national delegations worldwide. And after uh, achieving this milestone in quality development for education, we believe that this is also fulfilling many of the requirements uh, that were uh, given in the past. This uh, quality standard is already transferred as a European norm, as well as a national standard in more than 60 countries worldwide. And we believe that this standard can support you a lot, yeah. given the fact that it is an open framework of seven process categories with 38 processes that requires first selections of the appropriate processes mm -hmm. and second a definition of them that you have always to do in collaboration and in discussion with all your colleagues and involved stakeholders. Mm. For that reason, I could also move forward and see how we can bring open education into practice. And that's why I started my collaboration, first of all, with UNESCO, And we had a lot of uh, collaboration together with all the UNESCO chairs worldwide that are appointed uh, by um, the United Nations uh, organization. And we focused the preparation of that OER recommendation from the beginning, even before the OER Congress uh, in Ljubljana. Yeah. And that was what uh, we were targeting. And we were very surprised and very pleased to see that it was already happening in such a short period of time. And that's why another milestone, I believe, is approval of um, the OER recommendation by all member states of UNESCO, leading also to the official recognition and establishment of this global movement that started as a grassroots movement already in the 80s, 90s, last century. Mm -hmm. And um, now in our days, during the last, let's say, five years, you could see how much um, artificial intelligence is gaining progress, mm -hmm. in particular in commercial products. A few years ago, uh, most of the artificial intelligence uh, products and services were developed by non-for-profit organizations. Mm. However, in our times now, out of the 50 leading artificial intelligence services and products, 47 are provided by commercial enterprises and companies. Mm. That is changing a lot how development and design of artificial intelligence is taking place. For me, it is most important now that we will benefit from artificial intelligence. Mm. Artificial intelligence can help us so much. It is such a strong means also to improve and facilitate um, new opportunities for education worldwide. But we have to be very careful that it is not done in the commercial interests of only a few big technological uh, companies, but it should be done in the benefits of our societies and our social communities. And that's why current focus is now mm. also while I'm setting up the research lab um, at our computation and IT um, center at the University of Bonn on open education and artificial intelligence and their combination. 
how can we ensure that both initiatives can uh, benefit from each other and support each other. Mm, so that, that combination is very deliberate, the open education and the artificial intelligence side of things. So it sounds as though that's very much uh, where online learning and education should be focusing at present. What other observations can you make about online education at this present time? First of all, we have to recognize nobody was interested in online and digital education at all before the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. It's really a tragedy that a pandemic had to come to allow first experiences of digital and online learning for the broad uh, masses and audience. Mm. We always tried uh, to promote that online education can um, offer new opportunities, for example, group-to-group -group learning that you can only facilitate in online learning environments mm. and that online and digital learning should not replace but enrich learning in presence. Yeah. But we failed. And this is something that happened not only in, um, in Germany but worldwide. And uh, due to COVID-19, there were all the lockdowns and the need for remote teaching. And from one day to another, people were facing complete different situation and complete different needs and demands. And then they started to look around. What can we do through digital and online learning? By incidence, I had planned a massive open online course, a MOOC, on innovative STEM education in uh, February 2020. Mm. And I had um, registration by a little bit more than 100 participants. And then the first lockdown was established in almost all countries worldwide. And from one day to another, the registration was increasing up to 800 <laughs> participants. Yeah. And I realized, okay, this is really change maker now. And of course, I have also changed the learning design of my MOOC. I have introduced in week two, as well as in week three, two additional main units um, dealing with learning innovations for online teachers, as well as learning innovations for online learners, simply introducing um, how to design such online learning scenarios as well as which tools are available mm. for teachers and learners. By the way, it's still online. You can still have a look. Everything that I'm publishing, I'm publishing with a free and open license. And that is also something that everybody can um, facilitate. And I'd like to encourage you also to do the same. Please, if you publish something, Put an open license on it and then everybody knows what to do with it, how to share it, how to adapt it, how to reuse it. And you can find the full learning design, all materials and everything um, still online of, of the whole MOOC and in particular also for the two specific units on learning innovations for teachers as well as for the learners. Hmm. And since COVID-19, uh, the situation has already changed and not only in uh, my University of Bonn, but in many other universities, teachers as well as students are asking to go back uh, to learning and teaching and presence. Mm. That means all the new experiences of online and digital learning are now removed 
again and replaced by the traditional way how teaching and learning was happening before COVID-19. And um, one of the main drivers for that is that there was a lack of infrastructure and support. COVID-19 came in such a sudden way that nobody was prepared. Nobody had um, the infrastructure except some leading universities that were already providing online learning and uh, teaching Mm. for a while, like the open universities. Most universities worldwide, as well as in particular the schools, primary and secondary schools, were not prepared at all. And that was leading to frustrations, to difficulties. Um, Teachers did not know how can we um, manage, uh, what can we do, and leading also to some experiences that were not satisfying. That's why I can fully understand that teachers as well as students are now preferring to go back to teaching and learning in presence. However, I still believe, and that's why I also selected the University of Bonn as my next step in the career, where I had the opportunity now to focus the design as well as the implementation. For me, that is always most important that we not only design something, but taking it into practice, implemented it. And here at the University of Bonn, I can implement, design and implement the teaching and learning services for um, digital education, for virtual collaboration for the very first time. That was all not existing before. And I try to introduce that in a way that we are not uh, putting additional burden to um, the teachers, but we offering them new ways in improving their learning designs. We are doing it uh, through um, consulting of the teachers by offering um, student workers uh, for them as e-tutors that they are also um, facilitating all the technological uh, infrastructure and we also encourage them to learn from each other, meaning that we are setting up workshops, we are bringing together um, the teachers that are interested in um, modernizing and changing their um, study programs and uh, courses and that is working extremely well. Mm. And we cannot serve all teachers at the University of Bonn But um, we can provide uh, services, consulting, as well as teaching support for some of them. And they are the multiplicators. And um, that is working extremely well. And we are very happy to see how it is uh, now widespreading across uh, the university. And that is something also that you'd like uh, to uh, see at the national as well as European and international level. And that's why I'm focusing mostly uh, on international research here together with my research colleagues and teams. Mm, Excellent. It sounds as though COVID was actually a a big step forward in terms of uh, online education and uh, it certainly enabled you and your your team to extend your services. Yeah. Christian, uh, the, the the research you'd most like to see. So uh, given that there's a lot of research you've done, a lot that you're currently involved with, what would be the ideal article for you to open a journal and read? First of all, it has uh, to deal with topics uh, that are relevant for the future Mm. and that are also um, recognizing how much uh, education 
can and has to change in the future. Mm. I'm saying it has to change due to the fact that I'm a strong believer that the implementation and the wide spreading of artificial intelligence will be a big, big game changer. Yeah. As nothing before uh, in education. Because contrary to online education, you cannot turn off um, artificial intelligence services. Students as well as teachers can use them independently whether you're going back uh, to uh, learning and teaching and presence again. Mm. And that's why I believe we have not to uh, react on artificial intelligence and um, their services and uh, potential impacts, but we have to act. We have to take up this as an opportunity. That's why I believe at the moment the ideal article for me that is causing biggest interest is on um, questions related artificial intelligence. And here I'm very open to almost all perspectives because we are just in the beginning uh, of the research of hybrid um, artificial intelligence. Mm. We have already a long-term uh, tradition in research-related artificial intelligence, but uh, that is mainly dealing with um, strategy, algorithms, and um, the development of uh, a specific infrastructure for that. We had uh, excellent uh, research results related um, expertise system, intelligent uh, tutoring systems, uh, as well as before we had already the um, first introductions uh, how um, computers can interact with other computers or with human beings. Mm. But we have now the hybrid um, artificial intelligence that is bringing together the data-driven artificial intelligence and the knowledge-based um, artificial intelligence. And that means opportunities that artificial intelligence can also not only provide products like text or uh, pictures or videos, but also lead to decision-making. Mm -hmm. And when we are now um, introducing artificial intelligence for decision-making, in particular in uh, sensitive sectors like medicine or like um, policy making, then we have also to be um, very careful here and we need much more reflection on how we can ensure artificial intelligence will support human rights, democracy and rules of law. That's why at the moment, if you ask me for one specific focus, I'm mainly interested in um, articles that are also dealing with um, ethical perspectives and questions related to the implementation and mm. further development of artificial intelligence. And for that reason, mm. I have also set up uh, a German network on ethical use of artificial intelligence as well as a European network um, thanks to the huge positive feedback and requests at the AIAD conference in Tokyo this year, mm. where we could present our first work with the Council of Europe on um, artificial intelligence and the relation to human rights, democracy and rules of law. And when I was talking about my German network, everybody was asking me, why do we not have it in English? And 
as a European or international one. Okay, we started now with the European network just to the difficulties with time zone constraints, but we hope that in the end we will also come to a global movement towards the discussions on ethical questions in the use of artificial intelligence. And actually, this would be the topic that would be most interesting for me, how artificial intelligence can support and improve human rights, democracy and rules of law, also to strengthen our social society and our future development. Excellent. So you're combining there the future uh, technological innovation and also ethics and improving society. That, that's a very, very good combination. For me, it's most important that we also um, highlight that not only for uh, the researchers, but also for the policymakers, as well as for the people all over the world in the society. Mm. Everybody has to understand that now we are at a stage uh, where many aspects are to be decided. That is uh, true for hunger and poverty, but also true for war and climate change but also uh, true for artificial intelligence and education. And um, we need to reflect and carefully discuss it to come to consensus that we know what we'd like uh, to achieve in the future and how it should look like our future world. Mm, absolutely. Christian, to finish, two people you'd recommend as legends of online learning, one whose work or perspective is significantly influencing you now and one who you think otherwise might have an important perspective to share. First of all, I'd like to recommend um, Daniel Burgos. Mm. He holds many PhDs uh, in different sciences. And um, his current uh, affiliation is a vice rector at the Spanish private university of Rioja, mm. UNIR. And he's also leading the research team and institute uh, at the university UNIR. And in addition, he's also appointed UNESCO chair. Mm. And we are very close friends and we're working for many years now, always uh, in a very good uh, mood, uh, but also with very exciting results here. And we have also published a lot of um, common research uh, results. I'd like also to recommend Glenda Cox. She is with the University of Cape Town and she is also um, appointed uh, UNESCO chair. We are also working together for many years in research as well as uh, in a conference and common events. And actually, we are now also setting up international network of UNESCO chairs and ICDE chairs and uh, Commonwealth of Learning chairs towards a network that is strongly collaborating for the design as well as practical implementation of open education in a broad sense, meaning not only open educational resources as a mean and instrument, but also as a broad philosophy. Um, that means Open education is also thinking about your future strategy, how to opening up education, how to deliver and provide open education for all, to ensure that nobody is left behind, to avoid digital divide, and to also think about how we can set up legal as well as um, infrastructural um, conditions that are um, facilitating open education for all. 
Mm, excellent. Krishna, worthy goals. Uh, thank you so much for everything you're doing to promote open education internationally and for your cutting edge work on artificial intelligence. Thank you so much for being a leader and legend of online learning. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Christian and his work from our website. That concludes this episode. Be sure to go to our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com, to follow up on this episode's guest. You'll also find links to others whose ideas continue to inspire and teach online learning professionals, and you can subscribe to future interviews. If you know of a leader or legend we've not yet talked to, please do drop us a line at onlinelearninglegends at gmail.com.